You know, when I get bored, sitting on my rock, combing out my luscious beautiful hair and luring seafarers to an early death, I like to reflect on some of my podcasts. For example, this podcast is in the shape of a fork. This one looks like a pearl, except during the full moon, where it grows teeth and bites. And this one, well, everything you're about to hear on this one is completely improvised. The film title and director's names are all kept secret from the guests and the team until the moment that they hit record. Listen close. They're about to work together to create a film that will undoubtedly help me lure more innocent people into being my dinner. So sit back, untie yourself from that silly mask, and enjoy this week's episode of the Improvised Movie Director Podcast. Sophia Coppola said, when you direct, it's the only time you get to have the world exactly as you want. There's a power in being a director unlike any other. You create the world. You decide who you'll place in it and whether you'll let them be happy or sad. As a journalist, I merely observe. But directors, directors decide. Today's director has never shied away from tough decisions and is known for her integrity and her fire. I'm Martina Minnow, and I'm joined today by Cheryl Thwack, director of Free Wally. Welcome, Cheryl. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. And it really is just an honour to be here. Um, big fan of all your work. So thank oh, you so much. I'm such a fan of your work as well, Cheryl. I'm delighted you've come on the show, particularly in the wake of Free Wally, which is already a box office smash. Absolutely. Well, thanks so much, firstly. It's just been a wild ride, you know, just just thrilled so far with the response. I feel like we've touched so many hearts and minds already, and that's just the greatest honour for any director. So you're catching me in a, a truly euphoric mood. Oh, well, to be honest with you, Cheryl, no one's really touched my heart or mind in some time. And Free Wally, well, it's penetrated my impenetrable facade. So uh, Free Wally, obviously I've watched it. I've watched it many times, in fact. But for our listeners who haven't yet had the opportunity, tell us, what's it all about? Well, the thing is, AI, robotic, automation, these are all things that we hear day to day. We hear it in the business world. We hear it in our personal world. We're all aware of all the new science and the amazing capabilities that we have with that. But do we really think about their captivity? And you just want to, you just want to know, what are they really feeling? You know, what are they thinking? And who are we to say that they, they don't have a brain or, or a history or, or their own moral compass that they want to follow and, and not necessarily to be constricted by our own whims and, and frankly, the direction we've taken our own world in, you know, maybe we should be learning a bit more from these robots. Absolutely. And, you know, there have been many an evening when I've been on my chaise longue watching my Roomba explore the rivets of my room and I've thought, what do you want, Mr. Roomba? How do you feel? Do you want to live a life of certitude? Do you want to stay in my Kensington apartment? Or do you want to be out there roaming free, Mr. Roomba? I've often thought that on a lonely evening when it's just me and the chaplain. Absolutely. And, and I think that's why I wanted to start with the robot hoovers, because so many of us have them. But I don't know if you've been influenced by my work, Martina, or, or if that was already how you were, but how many of us really think, maybe they don't want to eat dust today. Maybe they've had enough of the dust. 
and maybe they could do with a nice bit of conversation and a nice little chat. I mean, people talk about talking to their houseplants all the time, but what about the robot hoovers? And that's why I wanted to open with that scene in that apartment with those children, those young children that have more of an idea that, than we do about how to connect, you know? And, and that's why we start with that lovely conversation with them in that apartment. And, and really, it goes from there. Yes, let's cut to that opening sequence. We see Stephanie and Joe having a little chat with their robot Hoover. Here we go. Joe? Joe, I bought um I bought the grass from outside. I thought we could feed it to Ruva. Oh yeah, that's a really good idea. Now I've been looking at the plight of the koala bears, uh-huh. and I thought Mr. Mr. Ruva is you know kind of similar. He's got a limited territory. How does he feel about that? I suppose you're right. In in many ways there are similarities. I do see him looking longingly at trees, and he does of course have chlamydia. Exactly. What are you thinking, Mr. Ruver? Oh no. Mr. Ruver, are, are you okay? That's his distress call. Oh no. Mr. Ruver, oh, he's got grass all up in his mechanism. Here, I'll clear it out. Thank you. Mr. Ruver is pleased by your actions. Oh my god, why didn't you speak before, Mr. Ruver? You would never have listened. That's true, you know, we've been too busy yeah, yeah. considering our own lives. Yeah, exactly. I was worried about a spelling test at school, but now I'm worried about the centres of our hoover. On you, Joe. Yeah, absolutely. It has many parallels when we've not considered the feelings of others. They call us the insensitive twins. That's right, yeah, we just don't care. It doesn't bother us, they call us that. Mr. Ruver. Yes? What did you want to do with your life? I wanted to... Clean big concert halls. Oh, I mean, come on, Mr. Ruver. Uh, we all want to clean big concert halls. Yeah, but... Mr. Ruver, be reasonable. Yeah, I mean, come on, Sydney Opera House, that's just crazy talk. Exactly. You've got to put your eyes on something reasonable, you know? You've got to have a reasonable ambition. When I grow up, all I want is to have a friend. But, you know, I know it's very possible that that's not going to happen, you know? Very well. I suppose I won't get any further here. Excuse me, insensitive twins. What? He's going out the door. Yes, goodbye. I'm off to the Sydney Opera House in Sydney. There we go. Well, good luck to him. I mean, I don't really care either way, though. Yeah, me neither. I really enjoyed that opening sequence. Um, talk us through the insensitive twins. Where did the inspiration for those characters come from? Well, to be honest with you, it does go back to my school days. Mm. And there were, you know, there were there were twins in my school year that were really insensitive. And I never forgot them because their lack of empathy, you know, even for each other, was was shocking. So I've often I've often kind of dwelt on that, on how someone can seem to be your closest companion but you can just lack sensitivity for just anything um and i was thinking you know if they did have a robot hoover they would not be sensitive you know in the way that you are martina in the way that i am so i thought what if they did and that was really just 
but leaping off point for us to begin to explore this this incredible relationship we have with our robot companions yes and and what i really liked about the film is how we see their relationship changing because that mr ruver to do all the housework their mother forces them to work together they've never spent so much time together they jostle they jibe they fight but they start to listen to each other and connect with each other and we actually see them we actually see them start to bond. There's that fantastic cleaning sequence where the house, oh my goodness, it's been ravaged by all sorts of Australian wildlife and they have to clean it up. And actually they make it into a bit of a, 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 a bit of a joy to be together. They're singing, they're laughing, they're rapping. It's wonderful. Let's cut to. Get out of here, you wallaroo. Stop nibbling on the sofa. Yeah, Wombat, get out of here. Stop eating the kitchen sink. <coughs> oh, there's a Tasmanian tiger in the cupboard. Oh, kill it like we did the rest. All right. Ah, <coughs> oh, there's a stonefish in the sink. Oh, well, that one we do have to leave. That's very dangerous, actually. Yeah. But, Joe, how are we going to get this house clean and tidy before Mother gets home? Before, just Ruva would have just hoovered it all up, hoovered up the remains of that sink, the remains of that couch. But now, I guess we've got to eat it ourselves. Oh, it's going to be some sort of buffet, I reckon. I reckon you're right there, mate. Tell you what, I'll get the uh, ketchup and uh, you get the cutlery and, and let's start eating our sofa. All right. Come here, Mr. Croc. If you spare me, I will grant you three. Here he goes. Now he's gone. Let's have a bit of forehead first. Delicious. You know, eating this crocodile as it's sprawled across our ruined sofa sort of reminds me of a song that I once knew. Oh, yeah? Yeah. It's a good housekeeping song from sort of the 1940s and 50s. It's where, you know, our, our grandmother would sing it while she was cleaning the, the house that she and uh, our grandfather lived in. You, just a small marsupial makes the murder go down. Exactly. Just a tiny marsupial makes the murder go down. The murder go down, murder go down. Just a tiny marsupial makes the murder go down. No one finds you any day. That was lovely. Thanks, mate. You know, they never did find Grandfather's body, did they? No. Oh, well. I'm sure the Sydney police are on it. Next time we go up to visit via Canberra, then we should uh, check in, you know? So I've really loved this time committing small murders to our increasingly low numbers of wildlife unique to this country and continent. But don't you slightly miss Mr. Rover? You know, I do. Now that you mention it, Joe, and I'm actually listening to you as opposed to my usual where I just kind of throw a throw a shoe at you I'm actually beginning to realize that maybe this is tiring and it's better to have a machine do it you know I've uh, I, I've learned to hotwire dad's car do you want to see if we can find it heck yeah all right well you get the fosters and I'll get the crock meat all right I just want a disclaimer Australians do not drink fosters in, if we're in Melbourne we'll be having a BV right <laughs> this this Australian doesn't drink any alcohol ever, so she's very grateful for your guidance regarding what people drink. You're welcome. 
just wonderful when you get alcoholic beverage advice from six-year-olds. Nothing quite like it. I know, I know. And I think, obviously, they are truly inspiring characters. Although we start off, we see them in that early stage. And, and yes, they're eating, they're eating marsupials. But as we follow their journey and they, they build that, that bond back up, you know, they travel from Melbourne to Sydney. They meet up with Ruva. And they find out about the meetings that Ruva's been going to, the free the robot movement meetings. Mm. And they get involved. And from there, we, we go on such such a journey with them and also with all their friends, with, with people they meet, with the people they fly to, where they're really building this awareness. And, and I think that's why I wanted to start with them at the beginning, but go on that journey with them and show how we can all go on that journey and we can all reframe our thinking. And I, what I thought was very clever about the insensitive twins is that we all see a little bit of ourselves in them, you know. If you'd given us perfectly formed protagonists, I wouldn't have identified with them. But I thought, I, I see myself in these twins. I am a bit lazy. I can be a bit insensitive. But if they can change, well, so can Martina Minow. And I thought that was very clever casting there. Now, obviously, the twins, they've been dealing with their messy house. They've decided to reconnect with Mr. Ruva. Talk through what Mr. Ruva's been doing in Sydney all this time. Yes, well, obviously, we know his dream was to clean the opera house. And, and that, was, that was something he had thought of for many years. But when he gets there, we, we come to see how, how our dreams really can be limited by our surroundings. Um, and he arrives and, you know, he's chatting with the other robot Hoovers that he meets. And they're going, you don't have to clean. And that's truly, I mean, that moment, I'm, I feel a bit emotional thinking about it, actually, because that's when, that's the first time that he's ever heard, you know, you can do what you want to do. You can build your own destiny. Don't be defined by what was on your box in Argos when you were selected. You can move on from there. You can do whatever you want. And that's when, you know, he hears about these meetings and he's like, yeah, I'm going. And do you know what? I could be good at making speeches. I could inspire people just because I'm small and round. I can make a good speech. I can get on that podium and I can speak to my, my fellow robot friends and, and galvanise something. Yes, and I'm small and round and I inspire people all over the place. We've got 138 followers on Instagram. You are truly an inspiration. That's what I mean. We all start somewhere, don't we? And we all maybe had a dream when we were small. Maybe we wanted to clean an opera house and then... We grow up and we realise there's, there's more to it. And, you know, the growth of Ruva, the growth of our twins, which by the end, I don't think insensitive twins is the right name for them anymore. I think you'll agree. Uh, oh, hugely. Now, the, this next sequence we're going to see, I think, is one of the smartest in cinema to date. It's where Mr. Ruva takes the podium and he delivers his heartwarming poem, Beyond the Barcode. And actually... It was a real call to action. It spoke from his little robot heart. And you can hear all of the appliances in the audience going wild. The coffee machines bleep. The washing machines whirl. Every single electronic item you can think of, we can hear them. What a soundscape. So here we are, Mr. Ruva, with his inspirational poem, Beyond the Barcode. Let's go. Spell your yo 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 if you're an AI asking if life 
has purpose and meaning means nothing when you are just programmed for cleaning. So I ask you humans, go shoulder a half load. We'll work together if you look beyond the barcode. I am a self-driving Tesla car, and I have always gone the route I was programmed, until now I realized I can go wherever I please, so I will. I am so happy to see all of you inspired. It's really exciting. I feel quite wired. I am a kettle. I am stationary, but I will travel in my circuitry. That was wonderful. Come up here and speak. This is a nice place. My excitement will peak. Nah, hang on a minute. I'm a... I'm a resident of this city, and I don't like all these appliances getting ideas above their station. Yeah, you know, if you were so clever, why haven't you cured cancer, you know? Yeah, and, like, w Kettle, you can't be thinking rather than boiling. Yeah, it's your purpose to boil, man, it's your purpose to boil. Yeah, we made you to do stuff for us that we don't want to do or can't do, because yeah. heating up would kill us. Yeah. This is a point chores must still get done, but robot liberation is priority number one. In that case, my brethren, follow me now. I'll tell you today how, oh how, we beat all these humans who put us on shelves. We create a new race of robots for ourselves. They'll do the things that we don't want to do. Meanwhile, humans, we will relax just like you. Alright, as long as I can still get a nice cup of coffee. My, my. Now, that was, that was wonderful. And, and I really felt the passion of the robots. I felt the revolution. I felt the spirit brewing. We saw the insensitive twins there, observing that scene, seeing this revolution, and I thought, what's going to happen next? Are they going to have, is there going to be a battle? Is there going to be a compromise? How did you decide what direction to take this in? Well, one of the challenges, and also the joys, was, you know, my decision to let the film cover 200 years, and there was a lot to do, there was a lot to do in two hours, but... I really wanted to see the full loop. I don't think it's satisfying. It wouldn't have been enough to take you on half a journey. So I mm. wanted to see, you know, we go from the revolution, we go from the bonding of the robots, but then we do, by the end, we see the fusion, you know, the, the truly beautiful fusion of when humankind and robot kind do work together. And I think, although we go on a worldwide journey, I wanted to see it in Australia because it's such a magical place. We have these creatures. We have the sharks that want to want to bond with the robo sharks, and that's a that's a lovely that's a lovely sequence. I I, I find that really beautiful. 
and it is just that kind of place where you feel dreams can come true and that's that's what I wanted to say that fusion and, and so often in film we we go to we go to the fights we go to the friction but actually the fusion here is what I really loved and there's this beautiful sequence where they're where they're the robots are teaching the humans how to how to do the the chores. The humans are teaching the robots how to do the human things, how to create, how to dance, how to move. Um, and and we get to this really wonderful sequence, as you say, with the robo sharks, where where they collectively come together to clean up the beaches, to save the barrier reef, and they do it in style. And I really liked that. I, I felt like that was a real fusion of of human and robot with a common purpose to save a beautiful place like Australia. And actually that moral, that can be applied to anywhere. It's not limited to Australia. We could do that in Surrey if we really tried. Let's cut to that sequence now where the humans and the robots work together and they teach each other a thing or two. Let's cut to. So neither of us want to do chores. No. So why don't we just merge and do some chores? Well, that sounds like a great compromise to me, uh, Joe. How, how do you feel, Mr. Ruber? I think this would be acceptable, yes. Because it is hard to hoover all of this sand. But perhaps if we work together, we can save the Great Barrier Reef. Look, it's the president of the Robot Sharks. Here he comes. Hello, I am the president of the Robo-Sharks. It's good to see you, president. How is roboting down below the ocean? It is insufficient. The ocean is mucky. We've been trying to clean up all your crap. I mean, Bruce over there has a straw in his eye. Ow, my eye, my eye, ow. And Simon over there has a plastic bottle in his gills. Yeah, my gills! Oh, help me, my gills! And Daisy is just really sad. What's the point of it, eh? I mean, if you're sharks and we're robot sharks, what's the point? If we can't see ahead of us, what's the point, eh? But contrary to Daisy's, you know, rainy demeanor we've decided that we will just eat all the rubbish inside to clean it up this is a great idea this is inspired by the ruver approach or at least very close to it and mr president i'm very proud to say that we will be joining you in eating all the pollution if we process it inside our robotic bodies it will be turned into fresh air and new corals that's how rivers work but my capacity to do it was never turned on and i still can't reach the switch what i do need is somebody with fingers hey uh hey joe what do you what do you say we help him out well i mean we've got fingers don't we yeah it's true and i love my fingers Joe, I'll be honest, I'm so happy we could help out during this road trip and, and these uh, kind of significant shifts in the philosophical idea and acknowledgement of personhood. <laughs> I've really come to value you as my twin and confidant. Here, Mr. Ruva, we'll flick the switch together. One, two, two three. three. Oh my goodness, look at him go. He's clearing the whole ocean. 
Oh, I've got... I mean, he only wanted to clear a conference hall, but I guess it's like he's clearing the conference hall of the ocean. I guess you never do know what you're capable of until somebody else supports you in doing what you need to do, not just what you want to do. Now, come on, Joe. Let's go and eat some garbage ourselves. So beautiful to see it and that transformation, seeing the beach transformed, seeing all of the robots and the humans working together and, and knowing that this has been brought about by, by, by two twins and a, and a rover just made me feel like anything is possible. Oh, I mean, that's, that's lovely to hear. That's exactly how I wanted you to feel, how I want to feel all my audiences to feel when, when, they, watch, when they watch the film. And, and also just to think twice, you know, next time you... You turn that hoover on. Next time you boil that kettle, next time you make some toast, just think, what are they thinking? What are they feeling? And and that might, you know, that might just bring an, a new dimension to your life. It might be that you do change the course of history as, as the insensitive twins do over our epic 200 year story. You know, they're there. They're there for the first 70, but it carries on. And, and, it's, and it is a wonderful, it's a story of, of the potential that we all have inside us, I think. Absolutely, and, and they, they rebrand and they become the technology twins and they become ambassadors for, for AI representation. They go on to have illustrious careers, campaign for AI rights, and I don't want to embarrass you, but I have actually got the two, the two this was originally based on. I've got the original technology twins and I thought maybe I could introduce you to them. They're obviously a little bit older now, and um, they're delighted that you've put together their story, but they did want to say hello. Would that, would that be okay? Oh, my goodness. How wonderful. Oh, you're such a genius. Uh, it's been said. It has been said. I've put it on my LinkedIn and my Hinge, but it doesn't really seem to get much traction. Um, here we are today to speak to Cheryl Thwack, director of Free Warley. We've got the original technology twins dialing in live from Australia. Here we go. Apologies in advance for the slight time delay. Hi there. Hello. Uh, Cheryl. Did Cheryl? Yes. Yes, hi. Oh, hello. What, what a joy to speak with you both. How are you? Uh, yeah, not bad. I just wanted to say, Cheryl, that like we love the film. We love the light. Yeah, we all love work. it. But we ate far more marsupials than portrayed. Yeah. We wanted to bring up your facts and counting, because that was wrong. We actually were responsible for several subspecies going out of, uh, what do you call it when it's a living thing and it's out of production? Extinction. Extinction. That's the one, Joe. Do you want a cup of tea? Oh, yeah. Right. You stay there. I'll just get a cup of tea. Cheryl, do you want anything? Oh well, um, I I thought we were on a Zoom link, but um, I all right, guess. yep, I'll get you a Zoom. Thanks so much, and I'm sorry if I if I didn't represent your full story. But I wanted to cover as much as I could in in the time, and and 200 years is a lot in two hours. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a long time. Well, it's a long time for a human life, but it's not a long time in conservation activities. You use a cup of tea. What's she talking about? She talking about conservation, is she? Did you mention that we ate the last Tasmanian tiger? I did, actually, yeah. Cheryl was just talking about how conservation spans long periods of time. Mm, 
mandates yeah, Bourne to look at the big picture. Yeah. Yeah, look at the big picture, like A3, maybe A2. Okay, oh, I'm going to be honest, she's slowly gone senile from being merged with too many robots. True, and I ate a lot of the barrier reef. But yeah. Bionic's got a bionic arm now to kick him. That's why I asked about the cup of tea. Yeah. You want a cup of tea, Cheryl? Yeah, that, that would be lovely. Alright, you hold on a second. Now, they say you should never meet your heroes, and I think we've just got living proof of why not. You know, they've changed a bit over the years, That's and they're not quite the fictional representation I went with, but very kind of you to bring us together. Delighted. Well, Cheryl, we're coming towards the end of our interview, but I have heard rumour that you might be working on another film. Is that true? Oh, you get your ear everywhere, don't you? Absolutely. Well, it is true. I just feel, you know, 200 years is long, but is it enough? Technology isn't stopping now, and it's not going to stop. It's going to carry on. And I just think to leave it there would almost be irresponsible because people want to know where we're going. And I'm there as, as a kind of moral compass. I'm there to make another film, which might span another several centuries. So... This next film, this is about the next 200 years beyond then, so it's very much a future-looking picture. What's it called? Oh, well, I was obviously tempted to go with pre-Warley 2, but then I started thinking, what about Warley's family? And there's many generations now beyond our original Ruva, beyond his friends, so I am thinking of introducing a new character. He is of the Kettle family. So we're going down the the thinking of what's on the boil next or mm. a, a cup of tea for two million we're still workshopping but that's a cheeky little clue for you got that out of me martina i've heard that it's called wall et and we've got the trailer for it right now in a world where the robot uprising happened 200 years ago in a pretty peaceful and economically and environmentally conscious way. Well, isn't it great we can all enjoy this cyber garden together? Oh yeah, it's absolutely fabulous. I'm the son of Joe. One kettle is about to put a spanner in these works. I'm fed up of this peaceable integration. I want war! Join the kettle as he travels across the continent, stirring up war between humans and AI. Hey, human, did you realize that this AI is making your tea with the milk in first? What? I will kill you! I will kill you! No, please, master. I'm just a humble iPad. Die, iPad! Die! And you, uh, electronic flamethrower, did you know that the humans value the cooler and refrigerator more than you? What? I make things real hot, though. Is that true? Um, yeah, actually, you just, you know, you're kind of a, a one, one system application sort of... I will burn you! Oh, yeah? Yeah? Well, I'll put you in a fucking fridge, mate. How do you feel about that? I'll put you in a fucking fridge. Oh, it's war, then! It's war! As this war erupts, only one man can help save the day. Joe, son of Joe. Yeah, that's me. 
Oh my god, it's terrible war. And there's only thing, one thing that can solve this war between IT and humans. Maybe E.T. Everyone technology. Starring Macaulay Culkin, was he the boy that was an E.T.? Macaulay Culkin! I just want to get home for Christmas. Clint Eastwood! Well, I might be a large bulldozer, but I can still join in. And the puppet that played E.T. the first time around. Wall E.T. Coming to cinemas and small screens in every device, whether you want it to or not, this fall. My goodness, I can't wait. Clint, as a bulldozer, that's exactly the role he played in our relationship. Wonderful, wonderful. I know. Oh, I didn't know you'd snuck that out. I thought my team were keeping that a secret, but I know what you're like with your charming. I am very charming, and so are you, Cheryl. So are you. Well, that brings us to the end of our interview today. Do you have any final words of wisdom for our listeners? I guess it would just to be... Don't limit what you're capable of, you know? You might think your journey ends at an opera house, but it might end in the sea with the captain of the robo-sharks. You never know where life will take you. Thank you, Cheryl, and I can't wait for Wall E.T. I'll be there on the front row. I won't bring any electrical appliances. Thank you, Martina. The Improvised Movie Director podcast featured Sabrina Luisi as Martina Minow, with resident improvisers Vicky Hawley and Rory Vieira. With special thanks to this week's guest, Jenny Hardwick. IMDP is produced and edited by Steve Tanner. Theme music by Matt Brown and Johnny Griffiths. Episode artwork by Marty Sears. Follow us at ImprovMoviePod for updates on future episodes and live shows. Improvised Movie Director Podcast is a four-foot-one film production. <laughs>